This is the Sporting KC Show on Sports Radio 810 WHB. It falls to Ely on the volley! What a finish! Gotti Kinda has struck! It falls to Polito and he puts it in! To Johnny Russell, first time shot! And Johnny Russell has a hat trick! The Sporting KC Show is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. Superior light beer with only 95 calories and 2.6 carbs. Michelob Ultra. Find your fit. Now your host, Nate Bucati. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Sporting Kansas City Show on your home for SKC Soccer Sports Radio 810 WHB. And wherever you get your podcasts, whether that be through iTunes, Spotify, you name it. We appreciate you for subscribing and listening and rating the podcast. Uh, as always, I'm joined by the one and only Allie Trost. Hello, Allie. How are you? I'm doing well, Nate. Ready for Saturday's game against FC Dallas. I- I'm glad that the rematch is happening as soon as it is because I know that that game a couple weeks back at CMP left a bitter taste. Man, I love the way you're already just focusing forward I- and forgetting <laughs> about anything that might have happened this hey, week. You Connell- texted us last night. We don't need to talk about it anymore. <laughs> That's right. Connell McCourt, uh, so despondent over the League's Cup game that uh, he, he just didn't show up today. He's actually working at the time that we're recording this show, so uh, we will be without uh, Connell McCourt today, but we do have a lot to get to. We are going to look back a little bit, and we're going to look forward a lot to what's coming up in the second half of the MLS season. We're going to talk with a guy that I think is a fantastic follow um, named John Arnold. Now, you can follow him at Arnold, John on Twitter and he does a letter called getting a newsletter called getting CONCACAF. He writes better stories about all of the different things and randomness and small countries and all of that stuff in the region of CONCACAF than anybody. And he is based out of Dallas, Texas. So he also follows, follows FC Dallas very closely. So we're going to talk with him about leagues cup. We can talk with him about gold cup and we can preview the FC Dallas match, a big one coming up on Saturday night for Sporting Kansas City. But we have a lot of stuff that's happened since the last time we did a podcast, Ali. Uh, the Gianluca Busio uh, transfer is final. Uh, uh, Jose Mari has been announced as a signing, even though he's not here yet. Uh, the transfer window has closed. Sporting found a way somehow to get a point on the road in Colorado. And then there was League's Cup, <clears throat> uh, which we maybe we'll just – I thought we, we agreed, like you said last night. I texted our group, uh, let's agree to never mention this game ever again. Unfortunately, we're going to do that because there's a lot of hot takes I'm seeing yeah. uh, the day after uh, this, this result and, and what happened there. So, all right, I'm just going to throw you those topics I just gave you. Where do you want to start? Let's start with – let's start on a positive note, unless we want to end on a positive note. Let's start wherever you want. You just tell me. Let's start with Gianluca Busio. Just so that's as, as a positive a way, note, like the fact that we're saying goodbye to the guy that I po- love so much? Not a positive, <laughs> but he's such an easy person to talk about. You yeah, know what no, I mean? It's, it's a positive. A po- it's, it's a positive. It, it is. is. It it's is. a positive for the club. It's a positive for Busio. And it's a positive for everyone here at Sporting Kansas City, the fan base included, that mm-hmm. we all got to be a part of this young rising stars journey here and who knows where it will go, but it's off in an incredible direction. And to know that it started here in Kansas City and Kansas City, Kansas, that this area is just really rewarding. And it's great for, I mean, the future of the pro player pathway that has been talked about for years. But now I think finally has a, you know, 
Daniel Shallow, you conclude in this as well, but has a face to really look to as like, this is where this pathway can, can lead you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no doubt about it. And I, I'm, I can't wait to watch Venezia games. I'm buying a jersey. I just need well, a Well, their jerseys are see. awesome, by the way. Their kits are, are kick-ass. But, I'm yeah, I mean, I want to watch the games. I want to see how they use him. I want to root actively for them to have a decent season and, and stay up in mm-hmm. Syria because I do think that that then means also that there's a great chance in a year or two from now if Busio does all those things he gets sold again sporting make even more money and we watch the continual rise of what I think is a guy that's destined for stardom as a as yeah. a professional soccer player so it is exciting um and it's crazy to me how time it's the oldest cliche in the book but the time has flown by from when Gianluca Busio got here to him exiting it just seems like it went by like that and it was actually five years and just the the way in which he progressed and and seemed to just make leaps and bounds in a way that so few players do in that short amount of time at that age I mean I remember talking with Peter Vermees Nate and I believe you were there too in that press conference ahead of the 2020 season which we all know how that turned out but he was talking about Busio and how is the technical staff? They have plans kind of put together each season for different players and their development, especially the young players. And he had just said, you know, Busio's really just fast-tracked his way. Like, they've had to reevaluate mm-hmm. his development because of how quickly he was progressing and maturing as a player. And I know you've brought up the comparison to Patrick Mahomes in the sense that the way that he processes the game and processes himself – is just at another level. And, you know, Vermees, I asked him after the news became final, like, what are you going to miss most about Busio? You know, all, all this, like, other stuff aside, and, you know, maybe even just the on-the-field stuff aside, what are you going to miss about having him around? He just said, you know, he's someone who never complained, never questioned Vermees, even when he put him in six different positions on the field, and, you know, said a lot of players could benefit from approaching their career the way that Busio did and it's obviously paid off for him I mean you could argue that his versatility and what he put on display with sporting in this final you know half season that he spent here is a big reason why he became even more appealing to some of these clubs because he's such a jack of all trades there's going to be a theme I guess on the show today and and part of that theme for me is going to be uh, the relationship that Peter Vermees has with his players and doing right by the players we're going to play a soundbite from him from after uh, last night's League's Cup game against Leon, in which he talked about that a little bit. But yes, what he said about Busio, um, Busio did everything I ever asked of him. He did it without complaint. He did it to the best of his ability. And for that, Peter Vermees rewarded him when it was time to go. He worked in good faith with him. And look, it's in the middle of a season. It puts Sporting Kansas City short-term in a bad spot. I was really hoping that Sporting KC were going to be able to sell him somewhere that would loan him back for the rest of the season, the way we've seen, like with Brendan Aronson mm-hmm. last year um, and, and certain other players that that's happened with um, across the league. But Peter Vermees did, in the end, what was best for the player, um, and I think he felt like he owed that to Gianluca Busio. He had given him his word, and because of everything that Busio, Busio had done, everything he had asked of him. Yeah. So that, to me, is a big part of the storyline now. Another part of the storyline, Jose Mari, midfielder brought in, 25 years old. Uh, they've got to get his P1 visa sorted out. As soon as that happens, he joins the team. 
then it's going to be that acclimation process. We all know that every player that comes in has to go through to learn the system and all of that. So it's really anybody's guess as to when you could see tangible uh, help from him on the field. But this is a kid who, at 17 years old, was playing for AC Milan. You know, things didn't work out there. He ends up getting loaned around a couple of places in Europe, ends up back in Argentina. That's not where he wanted to stay. And so I think that this is another one of those examples of more and more players like this realizing that Major League Soccer can be a great proving ground if you're trying to get yourself to Europe, back to Europe, or just make a whole lot of money in a league mm -hmm. that's really good that will pay you on time and all of that. Sporting's had a lot of success with some guys like Andre Ufantas and Johnny Russell and now Nicholas Isimot Marine. And I think they feel like this is a signing that's in the same category. It's just a matter of how much can he help this year? How soon can he help this year? Yeah, and, you know, I, I think one positive is that this is a player that they had identified a while back. It didn't work mm -hmm. out financially for the club about a year ago when they were scouting him, but. All that to say that this wasn't something that was rushed in a short window, like, hey, we're losing Busio, we need to find a replacement in the middle of the of the pitch. It was something like, hey, we had ident identified this player. It just so happens now that with the timing of the Busio transfer, we can, fi you know, financially, the stars aligned. Mm -hmm. um, I watched a little bit of his film. Granted, it was a four-minute melt, so it's not a full picture of the kind of player that he is, and especially, like you mentioned, Nate, the acclimation period can always be a little tough, but... I thought that some of the qualities that he showed were consistent with things that Busio brought to the game that helped the team immensely and made the team, as we always talked about, look so much better when Busio was out there. Some of those line-breaking passes, his awareness around the field, and ability to not just you know help build in possession from out of the back, but also when you're getting into the attack. Um, he can play more versatile so he can play a six or an eight type role it's just a matter of where Vermees ends up putting him I, I I mean I think the Issy injury actually is going to be something depending on his timeline and depending on Jose Mari's timeline that it, like are we going to see Ilya go back to center back for a significant stretch here and that if that's the case I think you want to get Jose Mari in as soon as possible if you think he could be a viable option at the six so I think it there are a lot of questions still, but a lot of it, I think, is going to, to depend on what EC's status is because that affects where Elie might play on the field. And Remy Walter, we know, can play the six. But Remy said the other week that he thinks his best position is more of the eight. So, Yeah, they, and they need some versatility in those spots right now. And this is going to bring us to the next topic, which is the League's Cup game the other night, or, or, or last night, as we're taping this today. Uh, the one thing I, I would add on Mari, watching his film as well, look, you can make any player look great by showing some highlight <laughs> clips and all of that. But the things that stand out in those positive clips, very physical, yeah. willing to get stuck in on tackles, eager to get stuck in, and then directly attack when winning the ball back. And that is definitely a, a staple to what Sporting Kansas City try to do as they play. So I'm very excited to bring him in. And another guy I'd throw in there is Elie. Another guy, and and this, because this does stand in line with sport Every time... They've signed one of these guys, Johnny Russell, Elie, now, now Mari. You hear the same thing. We've had our eyes on him for a couple years. The timing hadn't worked out, and now it has. You rarely see Sporting Kansas City do something like, oh, gosh, we signed Busio. What do we do now? Let's go find the nearest midfielder we can and bring him in. Everything is so much more calculated. Peter Vermees knew that the selling of Busio was coming at some point. They've had their eyes on probably a handful of midfielders mm -hmm. like Maori for some time, and 
they were waiting for the stars to align on one of them, and it worked out. And when the time was right, they were ready for it. So that, to me, is very consistent with what we've seen from Sporting Kansas City. Um, and, and that makes me optimistic that this is a move that's, that's going to help the team down the road. All right, let's, let's get to it now. First of all, Sporting get a nil-nil in Colorado. You were there. Terrible air quality, at altitude, short rest, a banged-up team that gets even further banged up during the game and they get a point out of it. If you had told me going into it that Sporting were going to go to L.A. and Colorado on short rest and come home with four points, sign me up right now. Yep. Yeah, I I mean, there's really not much more you can say about how Sporting have been on the road recently against playoff, like top five teams in the West. It's amazing what they've done. And, yeah, the Colorado game, they grind out a point. Peter Vermees was fist pumping. Uh, he was like fist pumping in the air yeah. after that because how big of a result that was. And how, I mean, the pressure that Colorado was putting on. Tim Melia was fantastic in that game. I mean, I want to say at one point, Vermees had mentioned when talking about Melia, the many times that we do, of course, like, you know, you, you need your goalkeeper to come up with like those, those one to two big clutch moments mm-hmm. in a game. But Tim Melia is the kind of goalkeeper who can come up with like five or six of them in a game. And yeah. that's just, that to me is kind of what sets him apart is just his ability to, when he's on, he's on. And the team needed him to be on in that way. And it was, the pressure that Colorado was putting on was unbelievable. And every guy in a sporting jersey that night left it on the field, every single one. And that leads us to the game against Leon in the League's Cup. And Every sporting fan that's listening to this right now knows what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, every sporting fan that's listening to this is enough of a fan to say, yeah, when I saw the starting lineups get released, I thought this was a possibility, right? We all sat up there, and I looked at it, and, and then I looked at what Leon was putting out there, which was almost, across the board, their first-choice team. And let's be honest, the powerhouse teams in Mexico, their 13th, 14th, and 15th player on their roster um, – would be a TAM player at, at worst at, at the major league level when it comes at the major league soccer level when it comes to their salaries. So it was a first choice team basically. And Sporting Kansas City played a whole bunch of kids with a couple of veterans sprinkled in here and there. And they got put to the sword. Um, I'm going to play some comments really quickly from Peter Vermees from after the game. I really enjoyed listening to you guys on my drive home last night in traffic on the final whistle talking about all of this. But here was Peter Vermees after the game last night taking ownership of why uh, what we saw happen last night happened. First of all, we'd like to win everything that we play in. But unfortunately, when you're playing seven games in 22 days, we played four games in the last 11 days, altitude, travel, away from home. The reality is, is that I'm not going to risk guys that have a lot of, you know, they have high loads. I'm not going to risk them. I'm just not going to. And so, obviously, it was a very young team in a lot of respects, and that is what it is. I'm, I'm, not, uh, I'm not here to, uh, to make excuses. The other team played well. Congratulations to them, and good luck to them to move on. But I, I can't risk players on my team. We've been through this before in 2019, traveled across time zones, uh, incredible weather and unfortunately with we sold the player we have a new player coming and he's not here and some guys that are injured we just couldn't afford to risk a bunch of other guys so it's it's actually a really simple answer does anybody want to lose like we did today no we don't want to but um i'm not i'm not gonna i'm not gonna put the team in jeopardy okay so vermees lays it out there right there and boy 
course, Twitter is, is never a place where you <laughs> suffer for hot takes. Um, and there are all kinds of hot takes out there. Many people who think Peter Vermees did exactly the right thing, who don't care about the League's Cup at all, were mad that Sporting Kansas City were playing it in the first place. I would say a lot of the sporting fans that I saw were in that camp. People outside of Kansas City, I feel like, and there are, I'm sure, some sporting fans this way as well, were more critical and said the fans deserve more. Alexi Lawless said that all the fans in the stadium deserved a refund last night because Sporting Kansas City didn't try in the game at all. Um, I find it a little interesting, though, because I'm not hearing, maybe I'm looking at the wrong places. I stay off the Facebook page, <laughs> and I don't know. Maybe there's all kinds of vitriol there. Listening to your post game last night, Reading what I did read, I didn't hear much from actual Sporting KC fans themselves who are outraged at the team for what they put out there. The outrage I'm hearing there is at the league for the schedule that you just heard Peter Vermees lay out there. Four games in 11 days. And, and the thing that I would add on top of that is if you're not dealing with an injured EC, an injured Johnny Russell, an injured Kyrie Shelton, a, a Graham Zussi who's 34 years old that's been dealing with hamstring injuries this year. A 34-year-old Roger Espinoza who's been forced to play more minutes because Felipe Hernandez is out for undisclosed reasons. And a, 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 a midfield that's now under stress because you've just sold Gianluca Busio and his replacement isn't back. I'm up to six names here or seven names here. We can also add Jalen Lindsay going down early in that game. About 15 minutes into the match, they have to bring in Caden Pierre for his first team debut. I mean, talk about... Peter could have brought in Graham Zussi there. But again, I'm talking about a 34-year-old Graham Zussi who's been yeah. dealing with hamstring injuries this year. And the timing of that injury was just far from ideal, right? When, you, right? when you're forced to make a change at 15 minutes versus, let's say, 50 minutes, well, that heavily influences your decision-making because you might have a guy that you would prefer to sub in, but maybe he's not, at that point, 70, 75 minutes fit. So you, you put the seven different names that are injured slash, you know, in, in an aging category with the, how many games did Peter just say there were in 22 days? Seven, seven games in 22 days, four games in an 11 day stretch. Um, you add all those things together, which is tough on its own. Yeah. It's tough on its own. I think that if, if maybe you take one of those two things out of the equation, Sporting, let's say, didn't have to go play at Colorado last weekend the way that Seattle Sounders didn't have a game this past weekend or a full complement of healthy players. I think you see four, maybe five young players out there in this game instead of eight. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's a little bit of a different situation. Um, I certainly don't think that you see... Caden Pierre, Ozzy Cisneros making their first right. team debuts. Right. And so, look, if the league is, in my opinion, if the league wants to be upset with Sporting Kansas City over their treatment of this competition, they need to put their teams in a better possible opportunity to compete in a competition like this. You are putting them in a terrible situation. And we have to add in the context. Peter Vermees talked about it himself. We who lived through 2018, the only year in the past, what, 11 years now that Sporting KC have failed to make the playoffs was because they were decimated by playing in another international competition like this. 
You know Peter Vermees remembers that. You know that doesn't sit well with him because he wants his team to be in competition and in the playoffs every single year. He mm-hmm. takes an extreme amount of pride in the fact that his team is always a factor. Yep. And they weren't one year because of that. And he was not going to put his team that's in first place in the West in that position. And, and even, like, standings aside, and where sporting's at currently right now, I think that doesn't even play as much of a role outside of just the current situation. The first place and how how good of a chance sporting currently have right now to win the MLS Cup and to possibly win the Supporters' Shield aside, his team was not physically at a, in a position that he could have run out a first-team roster. It, it could not have happened. And, and even if – and Chad Reynolds brought up this point last night. Do you go – maybe 70, 75% in this game and against FC Dallas and then risk drop, you know, losing, losing both. both. I mean, which could still happen. Even which if you could go with the still have choice team right. in Dallas, but you give yourself a better chance. Yeah. I, I think that <laughs> I, if you've been around this organization, the idea that Peter Vermees does not play to win is is almost comical, yep. right? Like, we, if anything, if there's been a complaint by some sporting fans over the years, it's been, man, Peter tries to win everything. And look at where it gets us sometimes. And that's what happened in 2018. And so, to me, this took – this. if you don't think that was hard on Peter Vermees to, to put that lineup out there in a competition where they had a chance to win something, I think you've misunderstood the man in a, in, yeah. in a, in a horrible way. So – I think we can kind of, and I think most sporting Kansas City fans get that. I think what you're seeing is is the backlash from people on the outside that 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 want to see this competition mean a little bit more. I'd love to see this competition mean more, but you can't put your team in a situation like that. And you need some help from the league. Do for you, like, That's what I mean. I'm sorry, the, the league but is, the league put them in a horrible situation. There was no, and I mean, not to mention, I can provide the context and speak to the travel because I was there. I was in Colorado. The air quality was terrible. The altitude is always bad. Um, they were already on short rest, switching time zones twice that week, flying back from a huge game against LAFC, you know, switching time zones, getting back at four in the morning, then having to turn around, get ready to go on the road again to Colorado. You're still switching time zones. You get back. Our flight got delayed getting out of Colorado because of some of the weather. So then instead of getting back around 1.30, you get back around 2.30. And then by the time you get home and in bed, it's like 3 a.m. And then you turn around and it's not a typical midweek game. It's on a Tuesday instead of a Wednesday. One day, how much of a difference does that make? Well, when you're up against so many games in such a short amount of time, those extra days do count. And so it's just the grind of already having a congested schedule. But then when you factor in having to travel across time zones, you know, these late night flights, getting back. It's just, they were in an impossible position in my opinion. And about the whole refunding fans, Peter Vermees didn't want to win. He does want to win. It just wasn't about winning last night. It's about winning in the the bigger picture of the season. If, if Sporting Kansas City go on to win the Supporters' Shield or finish first place in the West and make a deep run in the playoffs, this game will be very quickly forgotten very quickly forgotten by the sporting kc fan base if sporting kc were to have won that game last night against leon and make it to the semifinals or even the finals and by the way 
go ahead and look at the schedule for Seattle the rest of the season now. They're going to have a midweek game every single week the mm -hmm. rest of the year, except for the international breaks, basically, if they make it to the finals of, uh, of this League's Cup. If Sporting Kansas City were to make a run in League's Cup and not win the thing, and then their season, their regular season spirals, the League's Cup will be remembered forever. Yeah. By sporting fans. Because ask sporting fans what they remember about CONCACAF Champions League. You just listed off the travel schedule. Allie, we went from Albuquerque, New Mexico to Toluca, Mexico, straight to Los Angeles FC for the season opener and played everybody and played a really close game that everybody at the time said these are the two best teams in the West, LAFC and Sporting Kansas City. Then we flew down to Panama and the team never recovered the rest of the year and the season was a disaster. And so that CONCACAF Champions League will never be forgotten. And so that's the thing I would say. Yeah. One other point I wanted to make before we break quickly, and we're going to talk to Tom Arnold, uh, I'm sorry, to John Arnold about all this. Um, I sent a text message to Elie last night. And I told him, and this might sound corny to some people, but I don't care. I thanked him for setting an example that I could talk to my children about after the game. Because sometimes in your life, you are asked to do things for your job that are unpleasant or, or even unfair that you don't want to do, that put you in a bad spot, that might even make you look bad in front of your peers. Mm -hmm. A true professional still goes out and does his or her best effort um, and puts it on display and tries to help those around him or her despite those circumstances. Anybody who plays professional soccer can give their all in a cup final. Everybody will give their all in a cup final. But on a hot, muggy, midweek day, when you as a distinguished professional who's played at a very high level for your entire career are all of a sudden surrounded by kids who haven't ever been in this situation and quite frankly probably aren't ready for this situation he played all 90 minutes, and he played all 90 minutes. He was putting in crunching tackles by the end of the game. He was arguing with the referee. I don't remember a single time where his body language to his younger teammates indicated, God, you guys, get on my level. He never no. showed that he was disgusted with his teammates or, or let down by them. Because imagine what that would do to an Ozzy Cisneros or a Caden Pierre if the veteran Elias out there like, come on, man. Yeah. And he never gave that off. And, and I told I talked to my kids about that last night. I said, that is what a teammate is. That is what a professional is. And, and players get all the plaudits when things go well. But there are times when they reveal their character in the worst moments. And I thought Elie showed what he was all about in that game. I wanted to say that on this podcast yep. because I think he deserves an immense amount of credit for the way he carried himself and then made sure that all those young players went around and thanked all of the fans who did sit through all of that last night. Those guys just suffered one of the worst moments of their professional life. They just want to go inside and not think about it anymore. Mm -hmm. But you know what? They owed it to those fans to give them a thank you, and Elie made sure they did. Elie is, is, is a leader. I'm glad you texted him because, like, you said it perfectly. When things don't go well, some of those – praiseworthy moments or performances go unnoticed. And I don't think what Elia did last night should go unnoticed because it is just last night was, I think perfectly summed up the kind of person that he is and what he means to sporting in the locker room on the field. 
and, and what people don't see on a day-to-day basis, he put on display last night. And that is a kind of leadership and a humility that not a lot of people, people, players, but people in general have. We will take a break. We're going to talk with John Arnold about all this and much, much more as we continue with the Sporting Kansas City show right after this. Presented by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. You're listening to the Sporting KC Show on Sports Radio 810 WHB. And we're back on the Sporting Kansas City Show presented by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. As promised, now we are joined on the phone by a a terrific follow on Twitter and a man whose newsletter I would recommend you subscribe to as well. His name is John Arnold. You can follow him on Twitter at Arnold, John, and that is J-O-N. John, thanks for joining us. How are you, man? All good. Thanks for having me, guys. Hey, so I I wanted to tell a quick story uh, because our listeners know this. I was, as a play-by-play guy, uh, treated to like a, a dream opportunity to go out to Fox and call a couple of lower-level Gold Cup games, less prominent-type games, as a, as a bit of a tryout to see if I could start doing some more games for Fox. So it was a great opportunity for me, and I was really excited about it. And I was trying to, all of a sudden, prepare like crazy for Guadeloupe versus Suriname, <laughs> mm. <laughs> which which is two countries that I didn't, I'd never heard of one of them, and the other one isn't even <laughs> really a country, and um, then the two teams were already eliminated from competition by the time uh, the, the game rolled around. And here I was with this huge opportunity in front of me trying to do whatever I could to find good, compelling storylines for this game. And I had already subscribed because I heard you do a podcast with Grant Wall um, last year, I think it was. And so I'd already subscribed to your newsletter. And I mean, this was like a godsend to me. Um, on the morning of the match, I get your newsletter, and it's an entire article about the country of Suriname and how <laughs> they've got a military dictator who didn't allow dual nationals, and the head coach was never allowed to play for his own national team because he'd gone over to the Netherlands, and the next thing you know, he's pleading to this dictator to let him uh, allow these dual nationals to play, and every player on the roster, you got these guys that 31-year-old Kevin, Kelvin Leardom had never been allowed to play for his own national team before this. I mean, it was a tremendous article, and it was everything I needed to de- deliver yeah. a decent story. I can't thank you enough, man, because I, I had read <laughs> some stuff here and there, but it's hard to find articles about it. You had quotes and everything, so thank you. Just on a personal level, um, you do tremendous work with all that CONCACAF stuff, a region that's really hard to find news on a lot of times. No, and that's and that's part of the reason I started the project. You know, I've been I've been kind of I think paying more attention to a lot of than a lot of people to the region for a while now. But it's precisely because of how fascinating and interesting those stories are, and how how infrequently they get told that I wanted to sort of start getting Concacaf, uh, you know, last year and and left my full time uh, staff job at Goal to to do that and some other projects. So. Uh, you know, last year was an interesting one as far as soccer goes, uh, but you know now we're playing games again, which is exciting, and we can kind of it makes sense to tell those stories like like those of Suriname and and you know look like you call up a lot of these guys and sometimes they're quite excited to, to tell that story because uh, they do feel like there's a lack of interest, but their stories do matter. They're playing it 
full international tournaments at the top level. You know, guys like you are calling them on national TV. So, uh, you know, I'm glad it served you for sure. But, but you know, those are the stories that I try and tell. And, and you just, when you start telling those stories, you get people in the DMs or, or in the email telling you even wilder stories. So hopefully those will be uh, coming out soon here. It'll be busy with qualification and the focus will be kind of on eight teams. But once Nations League gets going, the Women's Nations League gets started, you know, there's all these stories of, of triumph, of tragedy, of all sorts of things. And, and I guess, like, it's easy to forget that exists in our region so uh you know those are the things that i that i look for is kind of uh the story behind you know it's easy i think to be cynical about like a gold cup or Concacaf league or even league's cup as we might get into but so many mm-hmm. times there's there's more under the surface and, and it really can mean a lot to some of the participants so uh yeah appreciate appreciate you guys uh, shouting it out and also glad it glad it helped you out Nate. so let's uh, let's just go ahead and dive into it then because we spent the last segment of our show uh, dissecting the 6-1 loss that Sporting suffered uh, against Lyon and the, and the lineups controversy and all that. What is your take on League's Cup just in general? I'll, I'll just give the floor to you. How do you feel about this competition? I think it will be really fascinating and really important. I don't think it's there right now. In ways, it can be fun. You know, the, the game that followed that SKC match that I'm sure most of your listeners were, were, were cued in on, uh, the Sounders beating Tigres was a lot of fun. I think, like, Orlando City, Santos Laguna could be really fascinating with Oscar Pareja, kind of a guy who always goes for it and has something to prove against Mexican teams after his sort of quick and, and unsuccessful stint with Club Tijuana. So, you know, there are some narratives there. And like I said, you know, there's some stories you can tell. There's some players in the tournament that, that are worth following. Right now, I, you know, I think like whatever it wants to be or whatever people want it to be, that's fine. You know, if Peter Vermees wants to say, nah, I don't care. I'm going to play these kids, and if they win, great. And if we lose 6-1, that's fine. Like, we, we're more focused on the league. That's totally his right. But I think it's also, you know, uh, a team's right if they want to say, nah, we're going to go for this. We're going to try and lift the trophy. I think the League's Cup was super hamstrung by the pandemic because both leagues have big aspirations for this. And we talk so much, you know, I do a lot of, you know, honestly, like radio interviews like this where people are like, what's going on? Are the leagues going to merge? When's it going to happen? When is it going to be the super league? And I think that sort of misses the vision that the leagues have specifically for how they'll work together in the future. In a way, I think leagues cup is the merger right now. It's not exciting. People aren't in on it. Teams are playing bad rosters and getting thumped 6-1. But I wouldn't be surprised if in five years we're talking about a totally different competition. Now, the same one, but, you know, with an expanded format, with more teams taking part, with those potential rivalry narratives, you know, Seattle Tigres. They played once in CONCACAF Champions League. Now they've played in League's Cup. Both times the Sounders have gotten the better of them. You know, that's going to be something to watch going forward. If those teams play again in a couple years, there's going to be more on the line than there were this time around. That stuff takes time, right? So I definitely could see it blossoming into something where managers are going to say, ooh, even though we have three games in seven days, we've got to take this seriously. What am I going to do? How am I going to make this work? But, but I, I think it's totally fair to say it's not at that stage yet, and why should people tune in right now? You kind of have to give people a reason to tune in. And right now, I don't know that that's happened, but I think a lot of it is down to the timing, and a lot of it is down to the fact that that momentum was was sort of abruptly stopped by the pandemic, halting global travel, making it unsafe to do a lot of the things that we were used to doing in 2019. So uh, I think, like, I guess, like, my opinion is I give it some grace, and I think in the future it's going to be quite exciting. I watch it because I'm a sicko and I watch anything, but uh, (laughs) ultimately, if you don't take it seriously, I don't – I'm not, like – 
you know, shaking my finger at Peter Vermees saying, how dare you, right? Like, I, I think it is kind of what you want it to be at this point, but I wouldn't be surprised if in five years, seven years, ten years beyond, it's something that's quite important to not only the leagues and people like Don Garber and Mikel Arriola, the, the respective leaders of the leagues, but also to fans sitting at Children's Mercy Park or at the La, El Volcan in, in, in Monterrey or whatever, right? I think people will start caring about this. It's just going to take time and for the leagues to kind of make it make sense for managers to care about, fans to care about, et cetera. So I think we're getting there. But if you don't care about it now, that's fine. Well, and and I think something that's interesting is, you know, there's a lot of people online criticizing Peter Vermees and, and accusing him of not caring, which I anyone who knows Peter or is involved with, you know, outside of the organization, in the organization, has followed Sporting Kansas City, knows very, very well that he cares about competitions. But the reality of their current situation with a congested schedule, which, you know, tends to happen anytime, even if it's Open Cup, whatever the additional yeah, competition is. Yeah, but this is, is at a different level. We're this, talking about seven games and that's, in 22 days, right? Yeah, <laughs> and that's, you know, I guess my, my question is, is how much of a responsibility is it there from Major League Soccer? Because in order to take the competition seriously, you have to feel like you're in a position to compete at that level. And, and I don't think that Vermees or Sporting felt that they were in a position from a health standpoint and from a scheduling standpoint to compete in the way that they would have maybe otherwise wanted to. Yeah, no, I think like, and even the Sounders for advancing, like in some ways it, it creates more headaches for them, right? Like right. now Brian Schmetzer has to figure out, well, we've got a postponed uh, MLS game. We've got to make up during an international break. The Sounders have sent, you know, both Roldan brothers are probably play for different countries, which is, is fascinating on its own. Right. But like there's two guys that are missing, Okay, if there's South American qualifiers, or Diaz is missing, like he's got to figure that out, right? So in a way, like you know, it does create more headaches to advance, and the league I think is going to do what it can to kind of make this something that that teams want to take part in and want to be in, and I think it'll make a lot more kind of sense again when it's broader, when there's more teams. But this year with the backloading of the schedule, which looked really smart, and now question mark, question mark, question mark, I guess as we all kind of cope with whatever Delta variant is and those those kind of questions. Like, I, I'm not sure where else you squeeze in League Cup, but I do feel like the higher-ups in the leagues that I've spoken with, with the club presidents, et cetera, you know they, know, they wanted to get the ball rolling again on League Cup because they knew in 2020 it was supposed to be this big kind of triumphant, expanded second year, and then it didn't happen. I think they know if we lose that momentum even more for not doing it this year, then what do we do? But, but like, I think it's totally fair to say, no, nah, the schedule didn't work out for Sporting Kansas City. It might not work out for some Mexican teams. You know, Tigres did rest players last night that didn't travel, I'd say, like, four or five of their best players, if you want to put it like that. So, you know, it, there are times where it doesn't work for, for everyone or, or, for, or for, for certain teams. And, and I think that's why fans will continue to take it with a grain of salt for the next several years. But I think as it progresses, it's possible that it blossoms into something. I mean, I'm using, I'm couching yeah. the language, right? I'm using Weasel words because mm -hmm. we don't know. We don't know what this thing is going to look like. It's possible people just get really excited about the expanded CONCACAF Champions League and they say, ah, forget it, League Cup stinks. I'm never going to watch it. And, and the ratings are bad and, and it goes away like, uh, like Super League after a few years. But I, I do think there's a commitment from people I've spoken with and kind of the hierarchies of both leagues to make this thing work work and to kind of you know again i really think it's a misunderstanding from people when they say oh the leagues are going to merge i think we're going to see either leagues cup thrive or the leagues try a different competition similar to leagues cup where they can have that contact with each other they can they can start to form those rivalries they can see each other more often than they do in ccl but you know ha have kind of 
their separate leagues as well. So it'll be a challenge for managers going forward, right? And we're going to see different managers take different approaches. And I think it's it's pretty harsh, I think, to criticize anyone's approach right now, especially with how this specific edition of League Cup had to be kind of jammed into the schedule. I think you make a great point, though, John, that if they can work it out, um, both leagues stand to gain immensely. Both leagues have something uh, special to offer the other league, and there's a chance mm-hmm. to try to to create a region here that is a soccer, a powerful soccer region in the world, um, and and try to grow it like like we see in other parts of the world. So I, I, I'm with you on that. If they can make it work long term. Um, let's see what can happen here. We're visiting with John Arnold, and before we let you go, I do want to ask you about this upcoming game between Sporting KC and FC Dallas. You cover FC Dallas fairly regularly. Uh, We saw them here in Kansas City. They hadn't even gotten a result away from home yet. They were 0-7, and they they beat the first-place team in the Western Conference on their own field. They seem like they've had Sporting KC's number of late. But it seems to me like maybe they, and I even told Allie this after that game, I said, you know, everybody in town is going to be focused on the fact that Sporting dropped points to a team that's way down in the standings. I think something decent might be brewing in Dallas. I said this that back when that happened because I do really like a lot of the young talent on that FC Dallas team, and they are starting to get healthy. Is something coming together in FC Dallas? What are we looking at from your perspective on that club? Yes, definitely. You know, I think – even when the team was sitting in the basement of the Western Conference, their mood was quite calm, which I think was a bit galling to some fans. I know it was difficult to sort of write articles as a member of the press where you kind of want to not stick the knife in, but you say, well, this is the worst team in the conference. Surely they're sort of going to be panicking or frustrated, and they're just kind of saying the same things they were saying week two, week three, and you're kind of like, well, come on, like show some, show some contrition. You lost, et cetera. And they said, no, we're, we're chill. We're fine. We're going to get things right. We believe in our system. And it seemed kind of foolhardy, but now they're undefeated in the last four. They've had, you know, three points on the, on the road against Sporting, one point on the road against Seattle. Those are pretty darn good teams in, you know, the top two slots in the Western Conference. So it definitely seems like a flip of switch, and I think it's all down to Ricardo Pepe. You know, it's, it's a lot to put on an 18-year-old kid's shoulders, but that's kind of FC Dallas's M.O., and they probably should have done it sooner. He scores a hat trick against the L.A. Galaxy the weekend before Sporting, and they go up to Sporting, and although he doesn't score, he kind of plays a role in, in maybe both of the goals, but certainly the second one where Jesus Ferreira scores, uh, thanks to a bit of what Pepe did. And now, even though he hasn't scored in three games, you know, it just – the motion that he has, the, the, the attention that he commands from defenders is freeing up so many things for FC Dallas and simply just having a boost of confidence as well. I think the team is turning games that would have been draws before into wins. They're turning games that would have been defeats into draws, and you really feel that momentum and confidence. So on the one hand, I think it's, it's, a, it's a big challenge still, even though FCD you know, has this momentum and has this confidence. They're still not in the playoff places. Sporting's still atop the conference. So uh, there has to be a level of respect there from, from FCD. But uh, at the same time, you know, I think this is a much different FC Dallas team than we were looking at a month ago, even less than a month ago. You know, I think it was J- July 21st that they dropped a game to Colorado on the road, and it was like, man, this team might, might legitimately be bad. Legitimately a playoff contender. How far can they go? How good can they be? So the switch is flipped. Um, and it's going to be a much tougher game than I think Sporting would have uh, expected uh, even a couple weeks ago. 
I think it's going to be a great game, and uh, we're looking forward to having it for you right here on Sports Radio 810 WHB along with Valley Sports Kansas City on Saturday. Hey, John, again, I'll tell everybody, if you're a fan of this region at all, if you just like watching the U.S. men's national team and you want inside information on all of the teams they'll be playing against in qualification, or if you even want to get deeper in some of the weird stuff that goes on in CONCACAF, follow John's newsletter. Why don't you go ahead and plug it? How can people get your coverage, John? Yeah, just like everything in CONCACAF, it's a little more complicated than it should be. It's getconcacaf.substack.com. You can also follow me on Twitter and, and follow a link. That's probably the easiest way. But it's uh, getconcacaf.substack.com. Yeah, so type in John Arnold's name. It's J-O-N Arnold, and uh, his, his Twitter handle is Arnold, John. So check it out and spell out the word comma in that. John, thanks so much for the time, and hopefully we can talk to you again real soon. My pleasure. Take care, guys. Bye. Okay, that is John Arnold, and we are going to take a break. We'll be back to wrap things up on the Sporting KC show right after this, presented by Michelob Ultra. You're listening to the Sporting KC show on Sports Radio 810 WHB. All right, we're back to wrap things up on this edition of the Sporting Kansas City show, and we appreciate you listening on Sports Radio 810 WHB or wherever you get your podcasts. And, of course, we are presented by Michelob Ultra. We're going to get into this uh, game coming up against FC Dallas. We heard some good comments from John Arnold. But I did want to wrap up what he had to say about the future of this uh, League's Cup. I kind of like what he has to say. I think that if they can work it out the right way, the competition has a chance to really help grow both MLS and Liga MX. And I'm all for that. I think it's fun seeing teams like Tigres and Monterey and, and, and Leon come to town. I just hope they can work it out in a way that, that we can see maybe a better competition that that doesn't force teams to make the decisions that Peter Vermees had to make this past week yeah I couldn't agree more I had a friend there last night he doesn't make it out to many games like for any sporting games that is but he when he was texting me after one of the main things he pointed out was how cool it was seeing the passionate you know Mexican fan base there and 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 it is it's a great the environment despite the result on the field was fantastic and that's a rivalry I really think that if you are able to figure out all of all of those logistical things that, you know, maybe keep teams from going all in on it, like sporting were unable to this time around, you could really grow that into a, an elite level competition. And something else that Vermees pointed out that I think is just an interesting discussion in and of itself is, you know, when talking about the younger players getting that great international experience, he was quick to point out, you know, these guys should be playing against some of these other teams in, in the Mexican mm-hmm. league at U15, at U7, like this Mm-hmm. This should be a trickle down kind of thing. This yep. shouldn't just be happening, um, you know, between MLS and Liga MX teams. So I think, you know, that's just as we talk about and look forward to the growth of this, you know, greater competition and in CONCACAF, I think that's another just thing to to look yeah. at as well. And it's starting to happen more and more. And that's why yeah. we're starting to see more young players that are that are ready for these things. OK, now speaking of that. The two teams that crank out academy players like nobody else, FC Dallas and Sporting Kansas City, hopefully SKC are a little rested and ready because I think they're going to have revenge on their minds when they go down to Dallas on Saturday night. 100%. I I know that the players had a really bitter taste in their mouth after that game just a couple weeks ago, lost to Dallas 2-1. And, you know, the big thing in that game was Vermees said, hey, we didn't come out fast enough in either Mm -hmm. of the two halves, and they – they righted the ship. They went and got a dominant win against LAFC shortly after, grind out a, a result against Colorado. But, you know, this is a game where, like you said, there's going to be revenge on the minds of, of the players and hopefully some well-rested, healthier players than they would have been 
Um, you know, going into the game last night, Johnny Russell now having a little bit more time to recover. He didn't play against LAFC, didn't go into the game against Colorado. You've got Kyrie Shelton hopefully returning and getting some minutes for the team this upcoming weekend. Daniel Shallowy got some rest in the Colorado game. Hopefully he, you know, is is also, we saw him last, last night. We're recording this, of course, on a Wednesday, um, but we saw him in the, the League's Cup game. So, you know, you're looking at a sporting team that's trying to get healthier in certain areas, but defensively, I think is where some of the question marks are right now with just different players dealing with knocks. But no, I, I think it's going to be a great game, but John mentioned it, Ricardo Pepe. I mean, what he's doing individually, but then also in, in how he opens things up for this Dallas team right now. I mean, the fact that they have uh, an unbeaten streak of four with results against Sporting Kansas City, a tie against um, the Seattle Sounders. They're coming off a 2-0 win over Austin FC. I mean, this is a team that right now is in good form and is rolling. And for Sporting KC, man, another uh, busy week coming up. they got a midweek game against Portland next week. Four more games still in the month of August to go, all against Western Conference uh, opponents. FC Dallas, Portland, Minnesota, and Colorado all coming up. The game on Saturday at FC Dallas, 7.30. And, of course, we'll have pregame on Valley Sports Kansas City starting at 7. And the play-by-play on Valley Sports Kansas City and right here on Sports Radio 810 WHB as well. So that's going to do it for us here tonight. Uh, thank you to Ali Trost, as always, for joining us, and John Arnold as well. And thank you for listening uh, on Sports Radio 810 or wherever you get your podcast. And thank you to our title sponsor, Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. We'll see you next week right here on the Sporting Kansas City Show.